Hey, hey, hey. Boom. How you doing? Good. How are you? I'm good. I just I'm got a- to dance along looking at myself on camera. Quite an embarrassing experience. You're so vain. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, it's, it's quite the opposite. It's looking at it going, why the f- have I put this on camera? should probably bleep that out. But anyway. Yeah. Yeah. I think yeah. there's a bleep there. Mm. All yeah. right. So we're going to be talking about selling in this market. We are. And then the JTM is going to be playing video games with your kids. Yes. But OG, getting let, back to the OG. <laughs> let's hear something from our, I forget, <laughs> Doing well, doing well. Sponsor, <laughs> our one sponsor. Ready to sell your home? Don't make the rookie mistake of jumping in blind. The first step on your journey is critical, research. You need to know what your house is really worth to get the best deal. And that's where checkmyhouseprice.com.au comes in. With a free house price report, you'll get all the juicy market intel recent sales data, and other must-have info to help you win big when selling your home. Don't gamble on your home's worth. Make checkmyhouseprice.com.au the first step in your successful selling journey. Visit us today and get your free house price report. Free house price report. Woo! (laughs) So there's one thing that I do look after when it comes to CheckMy. Only one thing? Oh, (laughs) multiple. But this is one particular (laughs) thing that I do look after quite extensively and that's the comment sections yes the comment section on on the hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of ads running around the country at any given time offering a free house price report yeah yeah so the one thing that i do see quite often is you know the whole selling in the market is when you buy in the market yep obviously (laughs) well no not always obviously because you can you can sell and then sit and wait, and then buy a little bit later on if you so wanted to. And I, th- I feel like that's kind of been forgotten over the last couple of years because we've had such a manic market. Like the last like 20, we'll, we'll just call it COVID years. Mm-hmm. The COVID years were not normal, mm-hmm. right? We jammed a, a three-year sort of boom cycle being that, you know, if you, if you look at the property cycle as a whole 10-year thing. Yeah. We kind of jammed three years of, of what would have been a normal steady boom into 18 months added in additional incomes and, and money and all this sort of stuff, and it just went nuts. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. There's a lot of pent-up pent up, uh, demand. There is. Well, there was. But, uh, I mean, majority, let's, let's look at majority. A majority of people do sell, and when they sell, they're normally selling because, you know, they're needing to move closer Upsize, to whatever. downsize, move closer to work, relocate, all, you know. Exactly yep. right. So nine times Just out of jack ten, of the house, like, they want a new place. Yeah, yeah, let's go nine times out of ten. It's yep. because you know they're selling; they're going to buy back into that same market again. Yeah. Obviously, there is a couple of things that you know are are cl- not only close to people's hearts, but also the top of their mind, where its living costs are inc- are increasing. Yeah. But not only that, the interest rates yeah. have made it. Yeah. 
like even if you've got 150000 from profit from that, from the sale of the house, that 150000 doesn't... You, you may not be able to borrow as much as what you do. That, is what that's you're right. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I get that. I get that. And, and the comment I think that, that I see most often when I do drop in, you know, I get a notification. I still get all the notifications. I just let you handle them most yeah. of the time. Yeah. But every now and again, I sort of take a sneak peek. And, and the comment that I see most often is, why would you sell in this market? You've got to buy in the same market. Yeah. Right. And I think that that was a really, really, really valid concern during the COVID years. Yes. And it's always, to a certain extent, it's always a bit of a valid concern. However, the caveat to that is that not all real estate listings, not all real estate agents were created equal. Mm. Right. So, and, and not all real estate markets were created equal either. Yeah. So if you're buying in this market, we are still in a market where we've, we've talked about this, you know, a thousand times in, in 16 episodes already on the podcast <laughs> where we've got a supply issue in Australia. So the supply and demand issue is, is monumental. Um, however, the market still has little dips and troughs and peaks and so on and so forth. And I'm not ever going to say try and pick the, the dip because that's just a fool's errand, right, in, in my opinion. But what I am going to say is when things do quiet a little bit, and, you know, they did with off the back of 11 interest rate rises in a row, things did get a little bit quieter. Um, things, you know... Property price growth is still starting to creep up, but there's always a lag, right? There's always a period where property prices, as a general rule, they don't keep up. Um, like agents don't price to the market at the same time the market is yes. operating in that price. Does that make sense? Yes. So we saw it with the craziness of COVID. It peaked, and then interest rate, interest rate, interest rate, interest rate, mm -hmm. and for three to six months. After that, we saw agents still just throwing crazy prices on property in the market. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm not touching that, right? So, and that's the lag well, I'm talking about. Especially when they're doing, you know, you've got one who's throwing this price out, and then there's actually other people that have come in and gone, look, <laughs> back a year ago, yeah, sure, I would have paid that. But I think we both know. There's, there's not the buyers now, there's not have, the money. Things have calmed yeah. down, and that price that you've just put 1.1 on, pretty sure you, you and I both know. That yep. realistically, sure, it probably would have been seven, seven, seven fifty if COVID hadn't have happened. You know, supply and demand. Let's have a look at eight ninety, yeah. nine hundred. Right. Don't go the... and whack the one point two, one point three yeah. on it. And there's, there's a few <laughs> of those happening. But I guess the point that I'm dancing around and that I'm trying to get to is that there is always value in any market. Yes. Right. And you can go and seek that value now. That value could be the old adage and, and, you know, there's a million real estate agents across the country. Well, it's not across the country, but across the world that will cringe the moment I say this. But, you know, dad's do old it. wisdom. Do it. Oh, Just do I, it. I love making people cringe. <laughs> but remember dad's old wisdom? Buy the worst house in the best street. Yes. Right? Instead of buying the best house in the worst street. Yeah. So it's, it's the same kind of mentality. Number one, not all listings are marketed the same. Yeah. Find the ones that are poorly marketed that meet the core baseline because you're going to have less competition even in a high market on that particular property. Right? Ah, this is where I'm going to throw a question at you. Yeah. For those people out there going, how can you tell if it's not marketed right? Um, <laughs> it's, it's a comparative thing. You're welcome, thing. everyone. Yeah, look, and, and we're going to do an episode on this. We've got an episode coming up where we're going to talk about the tips to, the, the secrets to, you know, selling big in, in, in any market. Um, but if you look at it, but things... We what you weren't talking about selling, but you were talking about finding no, no. the one that isn't marketed properly. But it all ties in, right? right? 
because marketing properly is part of the tactics to selling big. Yeah. So if you find a property that's not marketed well, so look at things like there's no floor plan. The photos are, are not dodgy. on point, right? They don't necessarily need to be dodgy, but they're not as good. They're, they're not staged, right? The yeah. property's not staged. Like you can tell the ones that have been marketed incredibly well, and this is where we have to separate ourselves from emotion. If I we're going to find value. the other thing too is, so everyone out there, you're aware, there is programs where it can actually remove clutter mm. and put something else in. Yes, that does cost a little bit more. If if well, if you look at Box Brownie, for example, I think they only charge about five bucks a room yeah, for that. Yeah. So it's, we're not talking no, bank-breaking stuff. No. But that, that ties into my point. If you've got a service that can do that so cheap, even if it was 20 bucks a room, mm. Right. If you've got a service that can do that so cheap and instead they haven't gone and done that, yeah, that's a property that's not marketed well because they haven't done everything possible in the marketing to engage your emotion yeah. right now. And for sellers listening and going, oh, this episode's trying to help buyers. No, no, this is also helping you because this is about how the things that you need to yeah. look for in selecting your agent and look at how they've marketed past properties. Yeah. Right. And if you don't it's, just it's that rely final quality, it's that the the ability. Like if you're looking at their past marketing photos, going, "Oh God, I want to buy that house," and there's an emotional reaction internally yeah. for you, right? And then it makes you read the property description because most people don't read the property description. No. But if the marketing and the imagery and the videos are that good that you're like, "I've got to read this. I've got to get all the the facts I can," that's a winner. Yeah. Right. That agent's marketing well. So. We kind of, if we're going to seek value in a market where it is a case of, well, if you're selling in this market, you're also buying in this market. Mm. We've got to kind of divorce ourselves from the emotion of the process and the emotion of we're buying a home. Yeah. And we need to go looking for that value. Mm -hmm. And look, sometimes that value could mean that the property's not well presented. It's got good bones. You might have to do, you know, some some cleanup, bit of paint, that sort of thing, and and do some fix-ups too. But there's always value out there. And the trick is to find it. To find it, you're going to have to divorce yourself emotionally from the process. Mm. And it's going to be the properties that as you're scrolling through that feed on, on the listing website, you know, whether it's real estate, a comp domain, whatever, you're probably not going to go, oh, I want to check that out. Mm. So you should go and check that out because the, the ones that would normally kind of be innocuous and almost invisible because they don't stand out, because the marketing's not that great, the photos aren't that emotive and don't really get that reaction, they're probably the ones you should go and look at if you're hunting value. Right. Okay. So, where are you wanting to go from here? <laughs> My brain's not working today. <laughs> Look, I think I think that probably covers it. You know, if if we're looking at the the statement on social media, if you're selling in this market, you're also buying in this market. That statement is 100 percent true. It's true of any market. Um, go looking for the value. Yeah. Right. Look for look for the value. Do and your research. Do do your research. You are investing in one of the largest things that you're going to 100%. actually invest in in your lifetime. And, and disconnect yourself from the emotion. Yeah. Right. And go looking for that value because if if you're in a position and of a mindset where you're like hey, we can sell our house, we're going to make a bit of profit on it, but I don't want to increase our mortgage. Mm. I don't want to have a, a larger liability hanging over my head, mm. which in, in this market, you know, with the, the uncertainty around uh, the economy and everything like that, that's probably a smart way to think about it. Yeah. It's how we're thinking about things. Yeah. You know, obviously I'm not giving financial advice, but, uh, you know, we don't know the individual situation. We only know ours. Mm. But it's definitely how we're looking at things. How do we reduce our liabilities? How do we reduce our debt? Yeah. Um, and if you're looking at that, then go looking for the value. Yeah. Because chances are you're probably going to find some and it's going to be less competed for because all of the heavily well-marketed properties are designed to capture you based on emotion. 
Yeah, cool. All right, I think we need to go to the JTM. I'm down, let's do it. Let's see which rabbit holes we're going down in this episode. It's time for JTM. It's J-Thought Moment. It might be drinking whiskey, pork, bark, smoking beer, podcasting, story writing, treasure hunting, you name it. But really quite my gear, singing, playing TV shows. As you can see, nothing's off limit. It's JTM. J-Thought Moment. JTM. What will be his next shiny object? JTM. It's time for this week's J-Thought Moment. I'm so glad the little camera previews like turned off so I can't see myself dancing. That was embarrassing in the in the opening. Well, you know what I'm gonna do, right? Oh god, blooper reels galore. Stories yeah. and reels, here we come. Yeah. <laughs> okay, me so dancing like I'm a steely like out of Noddy and Big Ears or whatever. No. A TV show. A little Noddy and I would say more like Thunderbirds. Oh, Thunderbirds <laughs> are go. That was a bit before our time. No, not before mine, unfortunately. Uh, I reckon. No, you're see, wrong. I, I grew up in New Zealand, where like back in the eighties, they didn't get stuff until Australia had already had it for five or six years. So Thunderbirds were on repeat in the Sweet early eighties. Thun- Thunderbird was around when our parents were young. I know that's yeah. my. I grew up watching Thunderbirds in the early eighties. Yeah, everyone in New did. Zealand. That's that's what. I was, anyway. Anyway. Yes. Playing video games with kids. Like speaking, I know, speaking about it, dating ourselves. <laughs> I know that when it comes to this is more of your forte because mm. normally when you're doing this, I'm, you know, having a bit of mum time where it's <laughs> like, oh, yay, I don't have someone asking JJ me. JJ Powerplay, come on, kids, let's go. Well, just the, the constant questions of yeah. mum, 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 Tian, Tian, Tian. And it's yep. just like, okay, you go do you guys over there. Yep. And I'm going to go and watch my shows and I just I love chill the out. fact that the JJ Powerplay became a thing where the kids all come back and they're like, can we have a JJ Powerplay? Like, I love it. Especially on a Friday, they come home from school, they're like, can we can we have a JJ Powerplay? Mm. Well, That's awesome. I mean, don't get me wrong. Every so often I do, you know, jump on and... Oh, and partake and yeah. come and join in. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. But I do also know that it's time for you guys to oh, yeah. do your thing. And I think... Like it, it comes for me. It comes from I'm I'm OG when it comes to gaming. Like I was I was reviewing video games. I was playing so Dad could watch me play and write video game reviews. Like back in the really early '90s when he was kind of Dad was kind of a pioneer of of the review industry in Australia and New Zealand. And so that graduated me playing video games to me reviewing them at playing and writing the reviews as I got older and things like that, getting paid to play video games and review them. So they're, they're part of my DNA and they're like... I, they're, I think it's anyone in the 80s and 90s, like th- to be fair, honest. Fair, I mean, fair. I, re- I still remember playing Pac-Man, Pac-Man on... Talk about dating ourselves. Yeah, on <laughs> the Atari. Oh. We were the only family that actually had the an Atari in yep. the street. The console was black and that fake wood... Look. Yeah, 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 yeah. Now for the kids out there, <laughs> when you would have this the whole actual just disc, old. I suppose you could call it a disc. It was a cartridge. It was a cartridge. Yeah, a cartridge. That's right. Like, yeah. If it didn't work properly, <laughs> you would hear these you ones. You gave it a good blow. <laughs> and you whack it a bit, and then you whack it in. And we did that with like after Atari, we continued to do it with the the Sega, Sega. Master System, Master System Two. And and the Nintendo Entertainment System. Absolutely. And the Super Nintendo Entertainment System. Like, any cartridge game after that, like, for, for exactly. nearly, what, 15, 20 years where they're going... <sighs> well, even with Game Boy. Yeah, Game Boy cartridge. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Absolutely. So, so, 
And then you also had the you, the joystick. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Never wanted the joystick to yeah. break because that just sucked. Yeah. And then I remember for they were expensive I think to it was tennis. Yeah. Where it went, <laughs> you had the the slidey thing on the side of the TV. Oh, you mean pong? No, it was tennis, and it then you actually had the pong. round. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And I it, hated all those. you all suck. you could hear was thunk, 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 thunk. <laughs> so and space invaders oh god <laughs> yeah yeah so and and i think you know if we go back then right <laughs> parents kind of had this love-hate relationship with video games they were this thing that was rotting our brains simultaneously particularly through the 90s they were simultaneously rotting our brains but also babysitting us yeah in a lot of regards like parents would literally go oh, just go play video games just so they could have a break and you know, oh, you would go over to their friends' houses that had kids, yeah. And you were always you'd have, you'd wanting have the to dinner go party to... or the barbecue or whatever. Yeah, the, yeah. Pa- the parentals would be sitting outside having drinks, and yep. if they smoked, they would be smoking out there too. While one of the dads is, you know, cooking the steaks that always turned out burnt because they weren't paying attention. <laughs> they were too busy, <laughs> too, too busy yabbering, having a few beers. Meanwhile, the kids are all inside yep. taking turns yep. <laughs> as to who goes next and who's playing what and when they're going to change. And that's that's what well, that's what my going over and visiting yeah, people 100%. were. And and well, that's it because the kids were out of the way then. The and then you knew who the time, really you know? rich kids and the really cool ones were. <laughs> they also had a pool, <laughs> as well as having all of the other Atari, yep. Sega, yep. Nintendo. So. Let's get this back on track and pull no, us back to the No, I'm to liking the, the reminiscing. There's you're, probably lots of parents nostalgic. out there going, yeah, yeah, I remember that. I remember, I remember that. that. But I mean, look, I, this is something too for, for me as a dad, particularly when I became a single dad and, and times were hard in that. I couldn't afford to take the kids to the movies every week or go play mini golf and, you know, regularly and, and even go out of the house. And we've talked about that on other episodes and that. The one thing I could do was sit with my kids and play video games together. Mm. And we would have quality time and we'd take on challenges together and things like that. And I think, you know, as we were growing up, parents did have this love-hate relationship with video games. As I, as I said before, it was simultaneously rotting our brains but babysitting us so that they could have, you know, time to themselves and keep us occupied and, and things like that. And that graduated more and more, that idea that video games are destroying the kids and that graduated more and more throughout the 90s and noughties and, and, you know, you still see it now. Like, we're in 2023 and you're still seeing it now. I think it's also but, because people, like, when we well, were growing... there's excess now. Well, yeah. We, when, we were monitored. We had it really well gated. It was, I, you know... I think it was also more of the fact that our parents, sure, you did it when people were coming, like, people were coming over, but our parents were also very much of the... Uh, no, you're not going to pl- be playing it after school. You're going yep. to be going outside. And that's when neighbourhood neighborhood kids would come round and you would go and do something or yep. ride ride your bikes. And, and that's less and less because we're, we're less of a village these days yes. as a whole. And I get that. And so what I was hoping, like, and I, I started to play with, because this, this episode came about because, you know, we work a hell of a lot. We want quality time. And I, I particularly want quality time with the kids and, often the, the opportunity that I have to give them quality time is seven, eight o'clock at night. Mm. And so... Which isn't always easy considering it's, it's always we've easy. got younger ones who exactly. can't stay up till eight o'clock and so without being feral the next morning. I was morning. talking with a really good mate of mine who I've known for Price Glenn. You and I have known each other 25 years now. Um, and he goes, oh, I'm playing Hot Wheels Unleashed with my kids. Mm. And I was like, oh, what's this? And of course, we grew up with Hot Wheels. It was one of the things we loved to play with and things like that. 
And so I went and found this game, Hot Wheels, and it's incredible. And we all started playing together. We built tracks. We race against each other. And it really got me thinking I will on... just, I will just revert to those people sitting there going, Hot Wheels? What do you mean? I can tell you right now. Like I was, cars. Like, I was a tomboy, and having Hot Wheels was like... Oh, next level especially in the <laughs> 80s but then also all of those you know where you where you're a kid and you're like oh how cool would it be if i put like a bit of cardboard on those boxes and whoosh, like yeah. that is pretty much what this video game is exactly it is you literally can build your all own of those and and all of that craziness and all of the crazy sets and like just google hot and, wheels sets and that you you can build them in also, this game Putting like putting all different like where you go oh that's a really cool color and imagine if it had that type of sticker on it and that type of stripe and oh imagine if I yeah. could change it yeah yeah all of that yeah and it's and it's all available so we got into playing this and there was there was some amazing stuff that that came out of it as a family and it got me sort of on this JTM and, and thinking about this you know we've for, for starters, I'm now so much more aware, and I've always been fairly aware because I've always been fairly aware of the dangers of excessive video game time, you know, letting the kids be unsupervised, playing video games and online and, and online safety and that because we've, we've grown up in that space. Yeah. But I even, I was aware, but now I'm so much more aware of the games the kids are playing, what they're getting into, the communities that they're a part of as well because so much of it is is community particularly for the older ones with the younger ones we obviously have parental controls that mm. are gating them and preventing them from from that chat engagement and yeah. that unsupervised engagement and but it became this bonding experience too mm. and so it's it's massively improved like it's achieved everything i'd hope it it would have improved yeah because it it you know our kids talk more with us because we have that shared common ground I think and it's also because they're com- focused on something that, like, it's... What's well, achieving something together. But it's also, they've got their focus on something else. So mm. when something does come up, they're looking here, they're listening to something else, and they're wanting to contribute that same time. There's, there's that, but there's also that, like, okay, for example, we had one of our kids um, playing Hot Wheels mm. struggle with losing for a time. Yes. Like, really hated losing. Hyper-competitive, our most competitive child. Bar none, and couldn't handle losing. Couldn't handle losing to me, who you know, despite me trying to explain and saying, "Hey, look, I've I've had thirty years plus yeah. of experience playing video games, dude. You're not going to beat me from day dot, right?" Yeah. And and the game plan is that you look at what you did well, you look at what you could do better, and then you ask yourself, "How can you improve next time?" And, and you work it. So using that as a forum and, and and a place that they enjoy to play, we had this opportunity to help not quell the competitiveness because we don't want to compel no. like quell that but we want to harness it in a healthy way where it's not destructive where if they lose they they lose self-esteem and they drop their bundle and and it becomes that oh, learning flipping and desks or flipping desks <laughs> kind of deal right and so we had that opportunity and and that has massively helped mm. and and i'm still winning just <laughs> he i won he led for he led for 99.9% of the race, and I ended up beating him at the post by literally 0.064 of a second. <laughs> like, it was even marked. And he was like, instead of dropping his bundle like it would have been three yeah. months ago, he was like, whoa, yeah. that was so close. That was, you know. Yeah. And so there was there was that kind of reaction. And I found that, you know, we, we live in a busier world than what our parents grew up in, even your parents have turned around to, like, obviously, my, my dad's dead, but your parents have turned around to us and gone, your guys' lives are so much more hectic than ours ever were, mm. you know? And our kids love video games. 
I'm yet to meet a kid who doesn't, mm. right? And I think that this is rather than it, video games being the enemy and or being the babysitter, which was kind of the the approach that we grew up with in our parents, and, and you still yeah. see it in the media. People like video games are the enemy, or you know, there's that constant debate. I think that as parents, if we can sit down and we can play with our kids in games that are family friendly and enjoy it with them, it creates that bonding experience. Well, But we also create greater awareness because they're more willing to talk to us about games because they're talking to us about stuff they're interested in. It's quality time with them in areas they're interested any, any in. And we learn more about what they're doing. And, professional and will actually say that it's not just about your own interest. And no. that you're trying to find interests that also potentially is your child's interest. Yeah. That's not what it's about because you actually want to develop a child with their own interests that you then partake in that interest. Does yeah. that make sense? It, it absolutely so does. So if you're doing something where it is totally them and totally something that they love and they're passionate about and you're there and you're like, teach me. Teach me about it. Yeah. I want to learn. Let's do this. I can tell you right now, a kid's whole brain will literally just be like, wait, yeah. what? Yeah. Like, you're it, it changes, what? And it, it, changes, it changes the context of the relationship. Like, I think, too, it breaks down those barriers. But it, as a parent, because, like, video games are here whether we like it or not, right? Oh, they're, yeah. they're not going away. And kids love them. And, and, and uh, you know, as a parent, you are now, like, through this process, you're going to have a greater chance of understanding world that your kid is escaping to Mm. because it is like video games are escapism for all of us but you're also going to have a greater picture of what they're playing what they're being exposed to which means you have the opportunity to address that as a parent in a healthy way and that's definitely what i've found as well uh particularly with the younger ones Mm. um and and you know the oldest and i bond and have been bonding over video games for years We, we started with skylanders but there's so many lessons that i have been able to impart in a calm way because i'm seeing what they're exposed to and rather than them parroting something that they've seen and me going what the hell did you just say where did that come from and firing back i know where it's coming from so i'm able to approach it in a in a better way that is more like mate why are you thinking that Mm. like what what's led to you saying this Mm. let's pull this apart and break it down and and really sort of test the ideas and and pull it apart in a far more emotionally intelligent way Mm. um and I think that comes from the bond that is created by doing something with your kids that they're interested in and achieving things together and overcoming things together. Mm. Not necessarily video games. No. Like video games are the tool that I have used. Yeah. But I think that's that's one of the major benefits. And the other thing too, because we have been very male kind of oh, yeah. focusing. Our little girl, who is the girliest girl that you could like, she does ballet. Like she is a princess. She 100%. she likes pink. She likes purple. She likes blue and unicorns. More of the pastel side of things, but she she does like those colors. Yes, she likes unicorns. She likes fairies. Like the yes. whole girly thing, which is polar opposite to me. Yeah. I was, you know, I was wanting to go and make mud pies and play with cars, play with Hot Wheels. Like I was that girl. Yeah, she. Two has actually enjoyed the Hot Wheels. Yes, but then we've also gone and, because you and I realised and we had to talk about this, that most of the games that we had that we were all partaking in were very boyish. Yeah. So we went and got, what was it, Dance yeah. Revolution? Dance, Dance, no, it's not Dance Revolution, but it's, it's a PlayStation game that basically 
they all have to dance. They log in with their phones. I think it is Dance Revolution Maybe or it's Just Dance, dance they, they or log something into like it, that. Just Dance is it. it is. And they log in with their phones. They've got to hold their phone in their hand and they're dancing and their phone's recording their movement and giving them scores. So the boys are all there dancing with her playing this game as yeah. well. And we're sitting there laughing our backsides off because it's hilarious. <laughs> Look, they're all a little bit uncoordinated, but at the same time, yep. it's about enjoying themselves, of which they were. So I've just realised the time. So very, very quickly, there's a few games that, you know, if you're looking at and you're like, hey, you know what, maybe we'll, we'll jump in and play some video games with the kids. Some of the games that I would recommend that are family-friendly, depending on age, uh, Hot Wheels Unleashed is currently, uh, there's a second one coming out, I think, in October of, of 2023. Um, and that the the original is on special in all of the stores and like the PlayStation Store and everything like that at the moment. The game of the year edition that's fantastic. That's a Mario Kart, the actual virtual yeah. one on Switch. Is yeah, we got that for that's it. So you can build your own competitive car. So, one. So, <laughs> yeah, so Mario Kart is there, and that's always a good one. Um, Just Dance um, for the older ones that are more into their fantasy things. Um, we're playing New World at the moment. So we, we did play World of Warcraft for a long time, but I've, we've kind of moved towards New World uh, because it's a lot easier to just pick up, go and do some stuff for an hour and then switch off and, and not have to worry about where you've got to pick things up from. Like it's it's a lot more bite-sized chunked consumable yep. in terms of questing and, and that sort of thing. There are the big, long stuff that you can do, but you don't have to. Yeah. Whereas I found that with World of Warcraft, they would, like you would get into a quest and six hours have gone past. And, and like yep. you just can't do that as an adult and, and it's not healthy for the kids to be sitting there doing that for yep. that period of time as well. Um, there was one other... Oh, the FIFAs, Maddens, the, the sport video games, mm. whatever sport you, your kids love and that you enjoy, that's a great one. started out, I was winning every FIFA game against the kids. I haven't won one in some time. Yeah. They've developed and, and are kicking my backside. So, But yeah, so they're, they're the games, the sorts of games that I've begun and looking at and having fun with the kids. Cool. Well, thanks, JH. Another JTM rabbit hole. <laughs> All right. So, peace out, peeps. <laughs>